This is Ami Tucker Ravel, and welcome back to Ami Tuckered Out. I am here with my producer slash editor slash guy who's not in the same room anymore, which is so sad, Nizar Babul. I know. It's so sad. So, yeah. so basically what's happened is um, I have moved to the grand old state of Arkansas. Yep. Uh, I moved back in May, was it? June? I don't even remember. Um, and so we had to put a little pause on, on the project and um, had to settle in into Arkansas life, which has been quite a journey. I'll tell you guys all about it. Um, and so Nazar and I were talking and we just, we, did, we didn't want to quit. We had to c- keep the team going. Yeah, right? the plan was always to have Ami Tuckered Out, the podcast, uh, continue. We knew that it was gonna, we we're going to have to take a little time apart uh, because of the move and because of other stuff going on. I, I was in uh, Lisbon for the summer. We'll talk about that. Yes. But, yes. So this, it was a, a good time apart. It uh, gave us time to recalibrate our lives. So you started, you were already prepping everybody for the move back before we stopped recording in uh, May-ish, yeah. I think. So how did it go? You know, moves aren't easy. <laughs> I know you just moved apartments, so you know. Um this is, in life, my ninth move, I think. I got to go back and check. Sixth after marriage, I owe it to my lovely husband to for this, for this adventure, I like to call it, when I'm stressed. Honestly, it was tough, you know? I have the two girls who are babies still, and we moved, and I'm not complaining, but we moved from a big house to a even bigger house. Um, and it's Arkansas, so we have pool houses here and it's just kind of insane. And our yard is like a forest. It's amazing. (laughs) So, you know, all that stuff, hashtag bless, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? It was, it it was tough. Like I had a few breakdowns the past summer. I punched a few walls because, you know, it's move. It's moving. I think there's like, there's a saying that there's like the three most stressful things in life are like death, divorce, and moving. I think babies are up there too. No, I mean, every time I talked with you, it was, I want to say it was like two months until you really had everything the way you needed it to be. Is that is that about right? Or maybe a little more than two well, months? Well, I think it was two months before I, did, I stopped wanting to shoot myself. Yeah. 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 Two months of just, you know, as everyone, anyone that's moved knows how it feels. So... Settling in, getting the girls ready, just, I mean, it was just nonstop. I think I was kind of in my cave. I didn't do Instagram for like six weeks, Mm -hmm. which is a big deal. But you know what? I'm settled in. I went from questioning Arkansas, as one does, to I'm four months in now, to absolutely loving it. And I will tell you guys more about it, but it has been... This place, we're we're in Bentonville, it's northwest northwest Arkansas. Mm-hmm. This place is a little bubble of heaven. <laughs> it's amazing, and I I know people don't believe me, but and I'm a city girl, and I've never lived in a small town. Uh, I think I've driven through Arkansas once in my life. Yeah, I I'm absolutely in love with this place. Nice, I'm glad, and the kids are embracing yeah. it, so that's good. Yeah, you know what, life here. And I was trying to explain it. I tried to explain it to friends. And I've had, I've had a few friends, like hardcore city friends visit, and they didn't want to leave. I mean, look, I don't know how it would feel to be single here in your 20s. I'm sure it's a whole different ball game. But Bentonville basically is Austin 30 years ago. So, like, it's this huge bubbling startup. 
it is randomly diverse because all these people are coming here for this little company called Walmart. Um, and so you have people kind of all around the world coming here, very transitional, kind of like an expat bubble, you know, well-educated. There's tons of money here, but everyone's pretty low-key. It just It's a really good combination. And, and the Walton family, who, you know, the Walmart family, basically is trying to make this into another Austin. So there is going to, there is a music district. There's an art district. Um, I have met the coolest people ever. Uh, just in, in the past few months. Nice. Um, and I think, you know, when you come here expecting nothing and then all of a sudden <laughs> you're like, I, I mean, it's just our neighborhood's awesome. I've had neighbors uh, drop off homemade pies. And that only happens like in the Brady Bunch. Yeah. You know? And in horror movies. So, yeah. Or that too. Yeah. I, I, I thought about that too. And, and, and at the first few weeks I was like, this is definitely the Truman Show. Like <laughs> these are all actors. Everyone's too nice. I'm getting too many hugs. Or everyone's just on drugs. I wasn't sure. But, you know, it's all legit. The The lady next to me dropped off homegrown tomatoes because, you know, why not? I mean, it's insanely beautiful and nice and it's real. Yeah. And it's low key. And people just hang out in their patios and drink wine. And <laughs> it's, yeah, it's kind of awesome. I'm like, how did I fall in love with Arkansas? Yeah. But I have. And the girls are so happy and... I mean, I have a pool, dude. I can't complain. Well, very cool. Yeah. So that's that's kind of my past few months. And then I've also been working at a radio station here, Bentonville Radio, which, which I will post more about on IG and on a few other projects. But, you know, I mean, tuckered out with, with my boy Nazar had to go on. This, this is our project. This is our passion. So... I'm excited to be back. And people should know because you're because of all the people that you're meeting in Bentonville and in Arkansas, like we're definitely going to be highlighting things, but projects there, talented people. And so keep an ear out for that because it's going to be coming at you very soon. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I mean, first of all, I realized that there are actually brown people here. So that's a whole new thing. <laughs> um, and then I've been meeting all these interesting South Asians that live here uh, that have these great stories. So Nazar and I were thinking, how should we relaunch the podcast? And I thought, you know, why not from Arkansas, about Arkansas, about South Asians that are doing trailblazing things here? Yeah. Because, um, you know, usually it's the coast or, you know, Texas or you just kind of don't think about middle America middle or flyover America. states. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And also, it's a political environment. I think it'd be kind of cool to talk to these guests about how they feel living here after all this madness and get their point of view on it. Cause I'm new and these guys have been here for a few years. So yeah, good point. Yeah. All right. So to you, well, how's your summer been? What's been going on? Dude, this, this summer has been fantastic. This is, I think probably the best summer I've had in a while since like, uh, I think we got our first PlayStation in my household when we were kids. <laughs> no, no, we, um, so we took, we took a break from, I mean, tuckered out. We, me and the wife went to, um, Lisbon, Portugal for, uh, most of the summer, we were there for all of July. Uh, there was a religious kind of convention thing that we had to commemorate um, our imam, which was cool. Yeah, and so we and it's a big, it's a big deal. It's yeah, a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. it was his uh, diamond jubilee. So sixty years is is pretty awesome. And uh, because of that, a lot of people who uh, subscribe to my sect of Islam uh, also went to travel there and there were I mean there was like 40,000 people it was I've seen I saw some friends that I hadn't seen since I was young and uh, old uncles and aunties from when I was a kid but we've decided to make a whole month out of that 
and uh, my wife got to work abroad, basically. And so that's how it all started is she had a choice between about seven different uh, cities and different countries. And we chose Portugal and it just so lined up that we could be there at the same time as this event. Oh, so I didn't realize that she she was working there too. Yeah, yeah, she was she was there remote remotely working uh oh. you know like 6 8 hours a day just off and on as long as we had I mean the great thing that we realized very early on so one there's very little crime which was I hate to say surprising to me it was reassuring and I appreciated that cuz we'd be out Ubering at you know one in the morning coming back home from someplace because for a good week and a half it took us a while to readjust to the time. So we were up at odd hours and there'd be like old aunties like walking with their purse, you know, their big basta purse walking yep. around at like two in the morning, just walking around. And that's some of them probably have like jewelry in there for no reason. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Just yeah. just. To, and that's not even something here. I, I mean, I'm in Dallas. I don't even see that in Plano in some of the places that I live that early in the morning. Now, again, the environment is different. Everything. It, there's a lot of local transportation. And people walk. I mean, we walked pretty much everywhere and it was about 10 minutes to get anywhere. And that's it was good. It, I enjoyed that. It made me miss living in cities. And because even now we we say Dallas, but we're always in a suburb of Dallas. Yeah. So it's just not no the one's, same. No one's walking in Dallas. No I mean, one, you can yeah. kind of. I'm not going to walk an hour and a half yeah. to, to get someplace. Yeah. Um. So that was great. And we the weather was the best weather I've had consecutively for a month ever. It was like nice. mid 70s the whole time. And um, no, we went to every opportunity we had. We were traveling places. We're taking photos, um, palaces. There's so much history there. So we I think we agreed of the places that we've gone as a couple, you know, including honeymoon and this and that. Portugal is a must go for yeah. for everybody. It's 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 quite wonderful. I've heard it's amazing. And one day when we can travel again. Yeah. <laughs> In about twenty years when your kids are when I get some sleep again. <laughs> yes, I will definitely go. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but jumping into today's show real quick, we do have we have two guests for you guys. We've got Shabana Kalser who's a British artist. She's been in Arkansas for about um uh, with her husband for about nine, ten years, I wanna say. Uh, who does she does a lot of oil paintings and she'll kind of talk about her story and but you actually you met her at a at a community thing there in Bentonville right yeah it's a, it's Bentonville is a big small town so um lots to do here and lots going on but you connect really quick with a lot of people so i met her through yeah. a friend like months ago, and I mean, now she's coming to an interview. And we've also got uh, Raj Suresh, who's a stand-up comedian, but he'll talk about his story. And uh, his actually, he's had his first album out already, which is semi-famous, which we'll link to in the show notes. He's working on his second album, but he's doing shows all over the place in Arkansas and outside. He actually has some um, hopefully big news coming up that he'll be able to share with us a little bit later. Yeah, but uh, check that out, and so stay tuned. We'll be back with our quick talks with Shabana and Raj. Hi, Shabana. How Hello. are you? I'm good. Thank you so much. Welcome for to me. my fancy studio here. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I really appreciate I, it. Well, thank you for coming. So I am so glad that we connected and you are my first guest on the relaunch. Oh my God, that is so exciting. Yay. Thank and you, you have a British accent, so she wins, right? I hope so. So, you know, you've been here nine years 
and we've met once. So, and I, and of course, I've read about you. But can you tell us a little bit about your upbringing in the UK and childhood stuff, or any fun stories from growing it, up? I mean, it's such a polar opposite to where I've I'm I am now in Northwest Arkansas and doing what I'm doing. So it's crazy. I didn't expect to be in Northwest Arkansas or be a visual artist. I grew up in um, Surrey, which is on the suburbs of London. Um, it's about 30 minutes from central London and I was one of five children. My, my parents um, immigrated from Pakistan to England in the in the 70s when they were in their 20s and they had five kids and we grew up and being the South Asian parents that they were, I, I suppose certain subjects in the house were always encouraged. Yeah. <laughs> Art was clearly not one of them. This is a very common thread <laughs> in our interviews, right, Nazar? Yeah. It is. I think um, they would have said some interesting things if I told them I was going to go into arts. So. Yes. <laughs> interesting is a good word. I went into the business world and um, I did various, various jobs and my degree was in business IT and that's where my master's degree was at. Um and I grew up in a in an area that had a South Asian community. Um, I had cousins around me and uh, plenty of people in the community there for me. Just every kind of culture and race you can think of. I mean, of, it's, the, it's the yeah, UK. That was interesting. I there there I was in central London. I was doing a, a regular job for a, a consulting firm and um, just minding my own business. And one day we got this opportunity to move to Northwest Arkansas. <laughs> Tell me about that. <laughs> How so do you end up in Northwest Arkansas? Oh my God. We get asked that all the time because it is just so random. So and random. I had to look on a map. I had to get a map out and find out where Arkansas was. And I know loads of Americans have to do that as well. But... I was just going to tell you, <laughs> I'm an American and I was like, jigga what? <laughs> jigga what? Yeah. Oh so don't worry about it. It's totally understandable. I love it. Um, so my husband was offered a work opportunity here. That's the, and we were very happy with our lives in London. You know, when you're settled and you're happy somewhere, you're not quite ready for something. You're not looking for anything. But then again, looking back on it, I suppose it's good to take you out your comfort zone. Yep. Which is what happened to me. So we came over on a work visa and my husband had what they call an H-1B, which is very common. Yep. Um, for people in Northwest Arkansas with all the corporations that we've got here mm -hmm. that attract workers from other countries. That's what they typically come in on, H-1B visa. And what that means is as a spouse of the person that's got an H-1B visa, you cannot legally work for about seven years. Holy God. Well, I guess <laughs> pros and cons to that. <laughs> well, I saw lots of cons. Yes. I thought, oh my God, what am I... You know, you're... All on this fixed path and you just know and you've planned for it and it just like, okay, I just don't know what to do here. And um, when we arrived 10 years ago, you know, Northwest Arkansas Airport, it wasn't built up like it is now. And by the way, built <laughs> up, uh, Nazar, means it has like two baggage claims. Yeah. I mean, it's super nice. But 10 years, yeah. 10 years ago, nine years ago, it wasn't like that. That's the thing. There was only, I think we, a small little plane landed and we got out on the tarmac with the concrete and we walked under this, um, I don't even know how to describe it. It was almost like, it looked like a temporary little cover to me, but it wasn't. Yeah. And then we drove through the area from the airport, which is very green. It's very what you'd imagine Arkansas to be. And then we landed in Fayetteville and I thought, thank God. Yeah. Fayetteville <laughs> is, is a little bit 30 minutes away from Bentonville. Big, bigger city. Yeah. Yeah. And then I discovered Northwest Arkansas was very different from most of Arkansas and so is Little Rock. Yep. And I think that helped me a lot. And we talked about that briefly over the phone. Yep. Um, me saying that, you know, north it helps in Northwest Arkansas. There's 
There's so much, pe- so many people coming in from other states, from other countries to work for the university or corporations, and it just breaks it up and it makes it less scary. It really does. Less scary is a good. I was just telling him, I'm like, <laughs> it's a weird expat bubble, but I was told never to leave <laughs> this area. I yeah, was like stick huh, to this part of Arkansas. All right, that sounds good. <laughs> so we got here, and you know, it was great. People said, "Oh, you don't have to work. You don't have to." And I volunteered, and I, I mean, my house was always clean. I went to every Every single party going honestly I did and I was just bored I wasn't mentally challenged and one day I enrolled in a painting class just to really keep myself going keep my mind occupied and uh, my first ever portrait was of the late Jimi Hendrix I had no idea what I was doing I was like yeah this is fun wait you literally started from scratch yeah like started from you, scratch. This, you hadn't done any of this in the UK I think in school I did but in school what we call school in the UK is up to the age of 16 Got it. So I messed around at school and enjoyed it, but never thought of taking it any further. And then I suppose it was kind of encouraged out of me. And you're encouraged to have a proper career, as they call it, you know. Mm -hmm. So I kind of touched upon that childhood enjoyment of art because that's what enticed me in. And I took about a year to finish this portrait because I just didn't take it seriously. I just enjoyed it and went with the flow. And when it came out, I just had so much interest from people saying you know commission me to do this and I was like okay they're just being nice <laughs> and then more requests came I thought okay maybe they're not being nice maybe they 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 have a point to make so I mean with my early work I did um I practiced on everything and anything that I could get hold of I really did I didn't have a clue what to paint I did any commissions and I bought one of the paintings um into the studio to to share with you it's um my husband's favorite icon it's Marvin Marvin Gaye and he's got a red outfit on and it's on a red canvas and I wanted to paint on a round canvas as well so I was kind of experimenting and 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 kind of making this his Christmas present at the time so that's where I kind of started off and you know I do tons of detail Nizar can you see I can see it's really beautiful amazing uh, I cannot believe you just started doing this like it wasn't a like I think partly because there was no pressure on me there's no pressure to perform there's no profession and you've kind of like um you know I kind of got to the stage where like okay this is it we are in northwest Arkansas there's so many things that I like but I'd given up on trying to do anything yeah and I think because I did that I wasn't forcing myself to do anything and this just came out a lot easier Yeah. Yeah. yeah And I had nothing to lose, yeah. which was the biggest nothing thing. And lose. I was like, just just do it. Yeah. So that just kind of rolled on onto there. And then eventually, um, when I was legally allowed to work, I got the green card. Recently, my... right? This was in uh, December 2016. Okay. And my husband was like, well, you know, you've been complaining you can't work. And I know it's been tough for you. Now you've got your green card. You can go on, approach the corporate world and do all of that. And yeah. I was like, I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, you're like nine to five. No. You had a business background bef- before you guys moved. Isn't that right? That's correct. Yeah. So how long? Because in business, you can't, you don't wing it in business. There is always a, a rubric that you follow. There is outlines that you do and you it's very much structured. Yeah. And this new mindset where it's like, okay, let me just free flow with this art idea. Because it, it, it probably took you a while to come to that understanding within yourself where it's like, okay, you need an outlet, you need it. And then the art class idea came. So it's like, how, how long was that idea until when you got the green card and then you realized, I want to do this more than I want to do maybe business? I think it was when I got my first commission ever. And that's yeah. a really cool story to share with you guys. 
It was yeah. one of my friends, and he he's such a huge Freddie Mercury Queen fan. You guys are going to love this because he's obviously Indian descent. Yeah. yeah. And he was like, I want a portrait of him. I was like, okay. He's like, yeah, but I don't want to see what you do. This is roughly what I want. I want him into that in that typical bright yellow jacket he wore and the white pants when he performed it. I think it was in London and the, the white pants with the red stripe. He was like, that's the outfit I want him to be wearing in the portrait. And I don't want to see it. And I'm going to have a huge unveiling party at my house. And that's when I want to see it. <laughs> and, uh, off that's I went really and, cool. and off I went and created it. And I was like, oh, wow. All these people are going to see this painting. Not much pressure there, but it yeah. kind of gave you that adrenaline. And, and I thought, well, do you know what? It's either going to fail or people are going to like it. Yeah. There's worse things in life. Nothing really to are. lose. Exactly. Yeah. So I thought I've dealt with far worse. They're not going to like it. That's okay. And uh, for the unveiling party, it was so cool. I mean, they're such supportive friends. He even went out on Amazon and ordered the outfit that Freddie Mercury was wearing <laughs> in that painting, the bright yellow jacket and the white pants, and he wore it for this unveiling party. That's amazing. <laughs> and he stood up and he did this, this speech and we had tons of people there and we unveiled it and people, I, I got a really good reception from that. Um, that was probably the first turning point. I thought, okay, I can do this, but it still kind of sticks in the back of your mind like, oh, you shouldn't be doing that creative career. You should go back into something that's more mom, mom and dad in your head exactly yep. and then i suppose yep. when i had my first show so then i launched my website in january 2017 and i kind of put everything together that's me using my business skills now the organization the technology the marketing the pr etc which you, which you need you need it to make this happen there's so, so many skills that you use in your art that you're going to pull out of everything that you've done in life and only now do I realize that. Yep. You're doing way more than just moving a brush around. It's all coming together. It is. Yeah. And you know that we're doing this show as well. There's yep. so much that goes on behind the scenes that nobody kind of sees or notices. And it's yep. all good. It's yeah. part of the process. Exactly. So two days after launching my website, I got a, I got a, somebody contacted me and um, they said, we'd like to do a show for you in downtown Rogers. And we'd like to do it in about two months' time. Do you think you could do that? And my problem has always been my paintings sell quicker than I can produce them. So <laughs> not, not a bad problem to have. Yeah, right. it is, it's a good one. But when you're putting shows together, you're like, oh, yeah. I haven't got enough content. So there was me scrabbling and running around. And I, I put together enough to do a joint show with another artist. And I thought, okay, here we go again. If nobody turns up, it's okay. I've tried. It's an experience. I'll connect with people. And I got there and we had people pouring out the door that night. That's um, amazing. Honestly, the support that I got from the community in Northwest Arkansas was just phenomenal. And the, the support from the art community was even bigger. Yeah. So many people reached out to me. Um, and we had sales that night. I forgot to think about that. At the end of the night, somebody was like, oh, yeah, we sold some of your paintings as well. I was like, oh, yeah, I've got to do that as well. Because it was just... <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. I can actually make money off of this. It was such a good night that yeah. you just forget. And I just didn't focus on which is that. Kind, so. Which is the most amazing part of it all. It wasn't yeah. even... Yeah, you weren't even thinking about it. Absolutely. Yeah. It really wasn't. And I think, I think then when I got to know people around Northwest Arkansas in the whole 10 years, I suppose it's been 10 years now, I've been here, you always get the question, where are you from? What's your ethnic background? And that got me thinking about my art. I thought maybe I need to put that into my artwork and share that with people. And it was a frightening thing to do. We are in Arkansas. Yes. <laughs> Let me remind you guys. <laughs> we, and that, well, you just don't think, you don't expect it here. Any, that, that kind of feedback or support. 
You don't. You don't. You assume the opposite, actually. Correct. Yes. And, I, and I was pretty much new into the art world because I only launched my art in January, well, March 2017. So it's pretty new. And come April, there was me wanting to launch my cultural art. And I put together a very first painting and it's... Um, I model for it and I use my eyes and I use the traditional tikka, which is the the jewellery that we put on the forehead and I used a dupatta, which I was wearing on my head and I sliced it off and all you can see is the eyes and in fact, I bought a print with me today. I modelled for it because I was on a time crunch. It was a gallery exhibit and it was an 8 by 8 painting that was small and it's quick. I'm going to tell you something cheeky now. I took all the wrinkles out of the eyes because I thought, <laughs> while I'm there, I might as well do a little bit of touch up there. And yeah. I think that's a good kind of cheeky. Yeah, they call that they call that artistic liberties. Yeah, yeah. I thought I'm I'm going to do that and just go for it. And these went up in a, a gallery exhibit and then they went somewhere else. And it was frightening. I was like, well, it wasn't frightening. I suppose I was nervous. Nervous is the correct word to use. Again, I thought you've done a lot bigger and more challenging things in life. This is just yeah. a painting. That's all it is. And that's what it came down to. But I didn't know how it was going to be received. And... At the exhibit that I did, I had my cultural work on one side. I had my iconic faces on one side. And do you know what got the most interest that night? The cultural. The cultural work. And I was just shocked. And I got so many people just coming up to me and just interested about my background. They'd often ask questions, which I love. They'll say to me, well, she looks Indian, but you said you're Pakistani. And then I go into an explanation saying, well, yes, it was actually one country at one point. And the cultures are very, very similar. And you go into a whole background with them and they come away kind of, oh, I didn't know that. Yep. And that's a way of teaching and educating people and letting them enjoy it. And I want people to feel comfortable and for them to ask me questions like that. And I I feel, the the four months I've been here, that people are genuinely curious and excited and 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 i'll tell my 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 indian story here too but yes i i completely your indian story well like my neighbors have been so excited that we're indian they're like we want to learn indian cooking i mean it's kind of like okay but i mean it's it's cute right like indian cooking and i'm gonna we'll talk about this too i'm gonna throw a bollywood bollywood uh, party here okay because like awesome. I don't think the neighborhood has had one. <laughs> it needs one. Yeah, so we'll get you involved. We'll Absolutely. do something with the art. We'll do something fun. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> and so like I literally I told a bunch of mo- like moms on the block one time about this. I swear to God, I've made more friends just by saying that than anything else. They're like, can we come over? Can we hang out? Can we help you? I'm like, it's it's amazing. It's great. They are. Yeah. I mean, people are curious, and it works well through food as well. I've done tons of parties at my house where you introduce food and. They want to know how it's made and obviously taste it, which is which is great. So, and I I got going back to the art. I got tons of questions just asking about the fabrics, the materials, um, how England is connected to my culture, and then you go into the history of England having such strong ties with. I keep calling it Old India because that's yeah. what it historically goes back to. Yeah, and talking about immigration to England and how Pakistani Indian. Sri Lankan immigrants had a big impact on British certain economies in the UK and textiles was one of them. Yeah. Um, So I enjoy doing that and people don't realize it. And it's only until they ask me questions, we kind of delve further. And I've done various presentations around Northwest Arkansas for my talks and my art, sorry. And people have enjoyed it. Well, I mean, your art is also telling a story, right? So that's right. I mean, it's naturally going to open up to the the questions um, and surprisingly this is a great place for that i i think it is especially with people coming in from like i've said it coming in from different states different countries 
all I'm doing is talking about my experience, um, but also I've, I'm also an immigrant to America. So it helps when I'm thinking of women, not only myself as a first generation immigrant in the UK, but also to my parents, how they felt coming from a country that was, and then moving to the UK where they kind of spoken broken English and, you know, they had to make do and make a life for themselves. Yeah. It kind of made me realize that moving to America, I'm thinking, I speak English, I'm familiar with the Western culture. This is a straightforward move compared to my parents. This is nothing. Stop whining kind of thing. Exactly. Well, <laughs> I, 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 I understand that. I moved to India a week after my wedding for, oh, wow. for three years for work, for my husband's job. And same idea. Like, I have no reason to complain. I know India well enough. We were living in a corporate bubble. Mm. I mean, it was, it was amazing. And then I thought about my mom moving to West Virginia in 1969. Yeah. yeah. So kind of same feeling. Yeah. Besides it being Arkansas, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I mean, you've been featured on NWA Alive. Um, I know you have private collections showcasing everywhere. For people that are listening, what's the best way to view your art, buy your art, give you a hug? Are you traveling at all? Kind of what's what's the upcoming projects? I love hugs from the right people. I'll nice. just get that out I will give you. I'll give you a hug. <laughs> Um, my art, I've, I've had exhibits um, in, in various locations around Northwest Arkansas. Um, currently, I have an exhibit which is called the Artist of Northwest Arkansas. It's a jurid exhibit, which means it was open to artists around Arkansas and surrounding states. And they only hand select so many pieces to go into that jurid um, show. And it's about three judges uh, from different backgrounds and they pick the work. It's a, it's a kind of a blind judging thing. And just to get your work in there is is huge. And I got two of my pieces in this year. Very nice. And I was super Congrats. pleased. Um, and then last week I discovered uh, one of them won an award. <laughs> so it got, it got a merit award. And it was my oil painting that's got a, a girl and she's got a rose in her hand and she's gently kind of um, sniffing the rose and she's got a dubutta, a traditional scarf draped around her. But she's also wearing denim jeans like you and I are. She's got a fusion of the two cultures going on but she's got the dubutta, she's got the British floral emblem, which is a rose. And then in the background, I've got um, Urdu written. Urdu spoken mm -hmm. is obviously similar to Hindi, yep. but written, it's got the Farsi kind of Arabic look to it. And in the background, I've put Gulab Jesse Lurgi. Got it. And oh, that means pretty. flower girl, rose girl. Yeah. So I, I put yeah. the Urdu writing in the background and that won an award. So... Well, it's that's, beautiful, right? So it's that's art in itself. Absolutely. And yeah. people have loved to learn about the language just to see it. And I think also um, with that exhibit, sorry, it's I'm going off track here. I do that a lot. That's okay. <laughs> that's what the podcast does. Um, in that, 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 that exhibit is on throughout September. That's in downtown Fayetteville. And then tomorrow I've got something huge going on. I was voted in the Black Apple Awards, which is run by the Idol Class Magazine. The Idol Class Magazine is a artsy magazine that's published around Arkansas um, and I got voted for the best painter I'm in that category alongside nine other people <laughs> so that seems oh, like brilliant. a pretty pretty good category to be in yes <laughs> so I was blown away to see it I mean we found this out last month when I was traveling in Australia and one of my friends kind of messaged me they were like do you realize you've been voted and nominated as a as under favorite painter I was like oh okay so I'm going to that awards night tomorrow. Congrats. Just to, just to be nominated, I'm like over the moon with that. That's, That's amazing. How I think you know, you just appreciate just being up there. I only launched my art 
a year ago, yeah. a year and a half ago. Yeah. So to get up there, I'm like, that's fabulous. <laughs> that is fabulous. So the best way, I suppose, to, to check out my web- events is on my website, okay. which is which is shibanacausaart.com. I'm very active on Instagram and Facebook. I'm constantly posting about events. There's stuff going on right throughout the year. Yeah. All around Northwest Arkansas. That's the Arkansas. one th- other thing about Northwest Arkansas, I feel like there's always something for someone to do. There's so Absolutely. many events at all times, whether it's art, music, but I mean, yeah, I'm definitely going to come check out all your stuff for sure. Awesome. Nazar, do you want to ask anything? I think my biggest question is I, I'm always interested in uh, the progression of people's crafts. So with you, your with the accolades that you get, there's always this pressure to where are you going to, what are you going to do next as far as your art? But have you ever experimented with different mediums or is there an idea to maybe do a different style and uh, an approach to the art right now a lot of your art from what i can see is you do a lot of realism Mm -hmm. and you use a lot of oil-based paints but have you ever experimented with anything else i think in the early days when i was um practicing i did experiment with watercolor pencil charcoal and i got drawn back to oils each time because the level of detail i can do with oils because oils just take so long to dry so when you're working on details that's just that's a really really good thing and I've yeah. kind of stuck with it because, like I said, I'm constantly short on stock. <laughs> so I kind of run with what I, what I know and what I can do. And yeah. I think the realism, what it, what it does right now, it allows people to really study my, my culture and what I'm trying to portray and to see yeah. that in clear daylight. And, and I think, and I'm going a little bit off topic here, but I think South Asian women and other cultures, I think the media portrays them as kind of, in a, in a very different way. And I think with sure. my art, I want to take that all away. And I want that in my, for example, my models, they look straight at you. They're, they're confident or they're looking straight ahead. They're not looking down. They're not shying away. They are strong women. And that's yeah. what I want to portray in my art. And I think with the realism, I get that message across each time. Um, yeah. Especially with, um, if you watched the NWA live interview that I did, I went back to one of the paintings that I initially did of my eyes. I always wanted to go back to it. And I did a great big three foot by three foot canvas. And yeah. it's shown in the interview. And the details in that, you just get it. You just know straight away. We have so many beautiful and pretty things in our culture. Dupattas is one of them. They're just so colorful and beautiful. And everybody's got interest in them. I think yeah. I'd like to show that detail. I think that's what it comes back to. I'd like to, right now, that's what I'd, I'd like to do. Well, very good. Yeah, they're amazing. I'm taking pictures of them. <laughs> What's up, Raj? Hey, how's it going? Welcome to my fancy studio. So, um, Raj and I, actually, this is the first time we're meeting. Because Bentonville Rogers is such a small community, um, I heard about him through a friend. Raj does comedy, right? I do, yeah. He is a stand-up comedian here, and you've been here seven, eight years? No, five years now. Five years. It feels like eight years. So, I, I need to hear the story of you as little raj and how you ended up in freaking arkansas um yeah so i'm i was born in mumbai and we lived there till i was like three and um after that moved to the middle east for like 13 14 years and then arab springs happened so we moved back to india for high school and then i came here for college so i went to penn state and then uh moved from there to dallas and moved from there to new jersey then move from New Jersey to here. You're almost going to beat me on the moves. Yeah, I, I've just moved a lot. Yeah. 
and I don't even know why, but I just, you know, this has been where life's kind of taken me. That's good. Um, and so I'm coming up on my fifth year in Bentonville. I mean, I was here when it was so much smaller, like there wasn't as much to do, which is kind of why like stand up was like a thing. And, and then we just like kept building stand up stuff out, you know? Okay. So the, so the, the Penn state, like, what'd you study? Was it, was it, was it always going to be comedy? And and like, I I mean, you're Brown, you're South Asian. You're not allowed to do this stuff. I started with a finance degree and then my, Ah, there it is. Wasn't good enough. And I also, I did like a summer stint at a brokerage. Of course, I hated it. Um, And so like the next year, my major was, I think for a brief time, it was accounting. (laughs) After the brokerage firm. I hate it. Let's go to accounting. Here's how it starts. (laughs) So you need a 3.4 to have a finance degree, like a minimum GPA. So I got like a drop from that to a 3.3. And then it went to a 3.2, which was the minimum for accounting. So it dropped past that to a (laughs) 3.1. And then I was like, okay, I guess I'm a marketing major now. (laughs) and so, yeah, I, I graduated with a marketing degree finally. And then I almost had enough credits to get a minor in sociology or public relations because all the basic courses are the same. Yeah. And I had an option between doing the dual degree and graduating in four years or job offer in hand leaving in three and a half. Okay. So I left in three and a half. So you basically were, you were basing your degrees on your GPA. Yeah. Nice. That's a good I way to go. I was basing, I mean, college for me, like, I didn't think I learned very much in the classes because yeah. like from a marketing perspective i like did okay in my classes but then outside the classroom i did a lot better at marketing things that i wanted to uh sell or promote or put together from a logistic standpoint or write or create all the creative things came more naturally to me than um anything to do with like you know being a cpa yeah, yeah. it's more of a kind of a check in the box kind of thing a degree because I'm a retired lawyer at 31. So, yeah. yeah, it was very random for me too. But anyways, um, so then Penn State and then, well, how'd you get here now? Um, so uh, a headhunter found me on the internet for, for like a day job. And so he brought me down here <laughs> so- and I thought the job initially was in Ohio. And he's like, okay, they gave you an offer. It's uh, it's not in Ohio. It's in Arkansas. I was like, okay. like uh, For you, you're like, same thing, right? Whatever. Yeah, I mean, leaving New Jersey wasn't a difficult decision. Because it was New Jersey. That's odd. I mean, it was New Jersey. Yeah, no, I, I've you know, and kind of passed by there once. And like I visited here and I was like, this seems really podunk. I turned the radio on at the time. It was just like Christian gospel pretty much mm-hmm. um, in the rental car. And then I went and visited Crystal Bridges, which is like a super nice art museum. Yep. I was like, okay, I could live here. <laughs> and then I did. The, the one museum. He's like, okay, cool. I'm good. I was like, hey, they have like plans and stuff. Yeah. You know, there's like, I just haven't seen enough of the town in the one day that I was here. Yeah. But I was like, oh, they've got some cool things happening. Everyone seemed really nice, and that was refreshing. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, okay, like my cost of living is going to drop two thirds. Let's mm-hmm. move to Arkansas. Nice. Uh, yeah, that was it. So then you started working here. I started working here. And then. And then uh, one day I drank too much. And that's uh, the only way good stories go. By yeah, the way, I, I drank way too. <laughs> much. It was the first I day. Actually, I can't remember if I signed myself up or my buddy signed me up as a prank to do stand up at like an open mic that we stumbled into. And uh yeah, that was that was four years ago. Three, four years ago. I don't so know. You, how many you randomly got into it. Yeah. This I wasn't did, a plan. I did like fifteen minutes my first time and I thought that I was like, oh man, I'm like I'm like definitely killing it. And then like I watched the video back this year because he still has it. My friend has the video and I was like there were three good jokes for about 35 seconds and then 12 minutes of just rambling like, drunk <laughs> on stage 
just talk just talking to myself and at the time i didn't even know like there was a time limit because i thought like people were taking pictures of me and that's what the flash was but the, the flash is the light from the mc telling you to get off the stage nice <laughs> and he's like i know it's your first time but you're supposed to do seven minutes like how long did that go it's like you did 15 that's quite a bit yeah <laughs> nice you want to roll uh bad roll yeah it's yeah, fine terrible. as far as he knew no one, yeah. no one pushed you off the stage no, they're very. I mean, like I said, it's, it's Northwest Arkansas. Everyone, I'm telling you, Nazar, everyone's so nice. If it's, it was Jersey, like, yeah. you know, before the light shows up, they're waiting at the edge of the stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then from there, and then I just kept, um, I kept working at it. You know, I was at open mics for about two years, where I was just like, you know, they had an open mic at a gay bar, they had an open mic at a coffee shop. I mean, I was just open mic for a lot of time, and then about a year in, I wasn't getting booked enough, so I was like, okay, I'm just gonna like set up these little dinky little shows for myself and then the first one we did was at the big chill which is now it's the right by grubs so it basically that building has seen several iterations but it was a jazz club and i did the the first show we did end up getting like 177 people that's pretty solid that's a lot yeah i did not expect any of that to happen and then we would do that show once a month every month for like you know, a year. Was it you and other comedians or was it book a handful of people on there with me? Cause I didn't have the time to like run a 90 minute show alone. Yeah. Yeah. Like probably 30, 30 minutes at a stretch. Yeah. Um, and just kept working at it pretty, pretty relentlessly. During that time you were the two years of doing open mics. Were you, you were still keeping your day job there? Yeah. As a matter of fact, I still have my day job. (laughs) Nice. Still have the day job. Yeah. I mean, I mean for me, you don't. You just don't make enough money off of comedy, if any. You know what I mean? Like no, I know friends like, in L.A. and New York that have been doing. I mean, they're amazing. Yeah. And I'm not saying this to like disparage but, me. Exactly, but I mean, <laughs> twenty years in, well, they're yeah. still they're still doing it because they love it. Right. But from what I've noticed, you make no money and then all of it. All of us. Yeah. Like you, like Kevin Hart made eighty nine million dollars last year. Yeah. That's more than every comedian practically. At like my level, highest paid ever, right? I think. Yeah, or I think highest paid comic yeah. ever. But like you know, between him and Jerry Seinfeld, those guys are probably getting you know at least fifty percent of the actual available dollars in the marketplace. I'm sure. Um, but so I just I don't know. It's not money's not why I do it. I just find it fun. And, you uh, and Shabana have the same stories, man. She just got into art. <laughs> She's like, I've nothing else to do, so let me just become this great yeah. artist. And I just like, know why not? that, like, I think the other thing too is I saw fundamental errors in the way that most comedians were approaching their stand-up careers. They weren't looking at it as a career. They were just like, "Hey, I'm going to spend five to ten years writing this really good five to thirty-minute set, and once it's really well polished, somebody will notice, and you know that'll break that'll break me essentially." Um, and I don't think it is that anymore because if you look at the upper echelons, you will still see people there that are famous and rich and not that funny. Yeah. Um, I think there's like, you have to put a tremendous amount, the majority of your energy into writing an incredible set, but you can't negate the business side of things. And that's where the marketing degree is useful. The Indian parents, um, and how they raised you is useful. The immigrant background, all of that stuff. Comes you know, you guys play. have a base say, said the exact Shibana, same thing. Well, yeah. I mean like she has the business she has, and then she's like, now Right. All that's coming into play in her art world. Mm-hmm. And exactly, and even with the podcast and all the stuff that we're doing, like, oh. Yeah, yeah. Brown, brown people just don't have the luxury of, like, not having a plan. Yeah. If you don't have a but plan. But it kind of works out, right? Well, you're trained to see obstacles before they're presented. Exactly. So you, you navigate your career in a way that sort of slips through all the cracks pretty easily. Yeah. If you see them coming. The only thing I, 
I would say is that the level of opposition um, and sort of the stereotypes and perceptions of brown men in particular make it harder for me to be someone like, I'll put it this way, like when white dudes like state their lofty mission statements or goals for the year, they're seen as ambitious. And when I do the same thing, it's seen as arrogant. So yeah. like if I say like, I'm yeah. going to play Crystal Bridges and have a confetti cannon and we're going to put 300 people in there. On anybody else's list, I think that gets seen as like, oh, it's so aspirational. Like, you know, we're right behind you. And like when I do it, I have like huge eyebrows and a giant beard. And people just think like he's going to blow that place up. Yeah. What are you like discussing during your, your stand-ups? I know you, I read it's, your website, obviously. Yeah, it's but... mostly race okay. and, and mildly politics. And then a lot of, I'm starting to do a lot more story-based jokes than I did before. Okay. I'm not really like a one-liner comic. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like a mix in there. Yeah. And I tend, I'm pushing more contrarian with the second album that I'm writing. Because okay. the first one I felt like was very surface level, brown stereotype jokes and stuff like that. And, um, and a little bit of the story aspect. And I think what I'm writing on the second album is very much in that vein, but it's much more contrarian and less race-focused. That component yeah. is there, probably always will be there. Um, but there's just a I mean, lot. how could it not be? It's kind of part of... Yes. Well, it's seen as, again, like it's seen as hacky for South Asian comics to be talking about their parents because Russell Peters has done it and he's mm -hmm. done it to the highest level. I just do it, but I don't put my... You know, I mean, I have deviations from the way that he's done his stuff. Um, and, you know, I just... I don't know. I, I try to take an angle where in the actual telling of the story, my parents are always reflecting their reality in the joke so they're smarter than me in the joke um they have like english flubs which are kind of funny but there's a there's a reality and a humanity to it and i won't like caricaturize their accents got it um because they just don't they don't sound like hank azari yeah they don't sound like apu from the simpsons yeah so. isn't that wasn't that documentary called that yeah the problem that's, with that's the, the, yeah. the problem with the poop yeah 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 talk about your album Semi-famous, yeah, semi-semi-famous, semi-famous. Uh, yes. Yeah, just that was just the. I mean, mo I mean, pretty much everything on that album is something that's inspired or actually happened in real life. I don't think there's anything on there that's embellished, truly. Um, but the album itself was just. I felt at a certain point that I had stagnated. I'd written all this material. It had never been recorded, and I have a lot of people in India that want to hear it or or see it, um, and I refuse to give the content away for free. So. A lot of people flip that model on its head. They go to a freemium model where they, you know, they'll give away a ton of jokes or whatever their art is and then hope that the audience will pay for later work. Yeah. And my thing is like, yeah, I'll throw the statuses up there and tickle people's funny bone. And that should give you enough of an inkling that I know what I'm doing within a, a joke construction environment. Um, but I put the album out and it went to number two on the iTunes charts and number, number 12 on Billboard. Um and I was very pleasantly surprised by yeah by that yeah yeah it was yeah. only for a moment and then like Jim Gaffigan dethroned me I think a day and a half later he has like six in the top twenty yeah at all times yeah um, that's still I mean but that's it was because he's pretty there you got to be white yeah three yeah. years in I mean it took me a solid two years to write the album and that's the worry with the new one is like once you have work out there I think people want to see more of it yeah. And that's the hard part is like I, I keep a pretty tight fist on like not releasing um, things until they're ready. Okay. I'm trying to work on that. Well, I think it's what makes you comfortable right now, right? Yeah. I mean, that's... Yeah, I think there's definitely that. And I've always been... I think I've been very blessed to have opened for some people in the industry and stayed in touch with them. Yeah. And let them have first crack at listening to it and go, 
is this ready yet? Or is, is there more? Are there angles I'm missing? And like, they'll usually give me a gut check. So you have a, you have mentors here? Yeah. Okay. So like one of my buddies, his name is Julian and he's been around forever. He's done every late night show. Um, super talented guy and I respect him a ton. And he's probably the biggest, I could literally see the leap in my standup from our first conversation to after. Um, he just sat there for three hours. He listened to my set for 15 minutes. And like every time I perform with him, he does that. Like he'll listen to the whole set. And he'll go, I like this, I don't like this, tweak this, change this, change the order on some of the stuff, and I think you've got something. Yeah. And that, to me, is amazing experience. Like, that someone can sit there. So we did six shows in Atlanta together. The first one was kind of called Thursday night. Second one, Friday first show, was also called. And he goes, okay, do the quick jokes about your parents and the monkey breaking into the house and put that at the top of the set. Don't You don't have to change the jokes, just change the order. He's your editor. He's your Nazar. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think he's he's really just someone that has seen so much yeah. comedy that he can read the crowd. He's played Atlanta before. He can kind of tell like, hey, you have to get going fast. And this has always been a problem for me. Is like a lot of my jokes have long setups or premises that take a while before you can actually chase down a punchline. Um, and yeah, I just think he was able to. You have a, you have a build up, like a story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But sometimes cool. the payoff just isn't worth it until they trust you. Got it. So once you get them rolling and warmed up with the quick jokes, they're like, oh, okay, like, yeah, we're on board for whatever else is coming down. We have track. faith. Right. We have faith in them. Right. Yeah. So Arkansas. Yeah. I mean, why not the coast now? Like, is it because of your daytime job here I, or is it because I, I don't you think, just I mean, love it no, here? I just think that um, I have another guy that his name is Marazia Vance and he's got, he quoted, he said this a couple of years ago. He's like, LA is a party that anybody can come to at any time but it doesn't matter until you're invited. Yeah. So, and I see that. The number of guys that I see go out there, they get chewed up, they come back. And then I also see the flip, which is guys that never go there. And then, so, and so there's a fine timing and you have to manage that jump to perfection. Um, and it's, I don't think I'm there yet. Like I want to be at a position where I feel like I can take my set across the country and have 60 minutes that work in any market. Right now, I feel like I have maybe 15 that I could work anywhere okay. in America. Um, There's that planning, yeah, that exactly. brown planning. Like I feel like I have 15 good minutes that yeah. I could put on national television that will ring across America. Yeah, no, that's that's great. I mean, you are aware yeah. uh, of what makes sense to you and what doesn't. Right. So, And then what's coming up for you? Um, I go do the stand-up NBC callbacks this Saturday in Houston. Yes, I just... That's amazing. I, yeah, that's I awesome. Post about that. But, I mean, they do those callbacks. So, basically, they have an open call, a callback, and then a final call. Um, and I get to skip the open call, and then at the callback... So, the open call is anyone can line up. They see the first 100 people, and they do one... They watch one minute from each person. Callbacks, they've watched my video, which is like five minutes, and they've put me through to that, and that's like two minutes. So, if your two minutes are good... After the nine-hour drive down, they'll see five to seven minutes on Sunday. Oh, I'm from Houston, so yeah. I haven't done the drive yet, though. That's pretty. Let me know how that goes. I think it's more about like a, uh, you know, what you're driving for. You're driving 18 hours round trip to do two minutes. Yeah. Um, but that's not alien to me. Like at every level in this game, you have to be very willing to become a beginner again. Yeah. Like I would drive out to Tulsa, so two hours there, two hours back for four minutes. Yeah. Uh, you know, with just like local comics. So the actual, and, and this is the thing, like you are spending huge amounts of time for very small amounts of time on stage. Yeah. Um, 
which is where again planning scaling online how do you you know get distribution or notoriety in a space where everybody wants to see you and can see you that's becoming i think the new model for stand-up or the creative arts you need to find traction for your work on the internet versus like actively touring yeah um actively touring helps you build a name i think the internet helps you build it 10 times bigger and basically you can scale your paycheck from your couch if you're good if you're good at what you're doing on, on yeah the there's so many different avenues now right um and i wanted to ask you one final question then nazar you can jump in sure. um aziz ansari yeah russell peters yeah. cal penn who i have actually worked with nice. um you, there's all these south asian comedians that have mm-hmm. are now out there and and doing well yeah what are you taking from them you know, I think like I look at the list of comics. Then there's a partner on Charla. There's Mindy Kaling. There's, yeah. there's a whole sorry, bunch, look, I forgot my girl of, Mindy. My bad. <laughs> there's a whole bunch of comics out there. I think the Hassan Minaj. Yeah, yeah, Hassan's having an incredible year. Too. Yeah. Um, Hari, like there's so many, yep, there's Hari. so many people out there. But I think what I take from it is like the one thing I know is I never want to compete against Indian comics. I just never want, I don't want to engage in that crabs in the bucket well, kind of deal. There's enough room for everyone. Yeah. Right. There's, there's enough no, space in yeah. the, you know, and there's enough um, pie to go around. And like, I just, I think like I look at it from the perspective that um, I'm nobody to critique their art form because they're the ones that are making it possible for me to do what I do. And I have like little pieces of everybody's influence on me um, in my standup. But I think the majority of what I want to take is like, do have a pretty different voice compared to the names that we've just heard i think mine's just a lot angrier in some ways because like bill burr right now is my favorite comic and has been for some time chris rock it's it's chappelle they're these guys that are they tend to do very contrarian material and i like material that antagonizes people a little bit i just feel like it's the easiest way to actually have like that honest discussion and kind of like crack the the nutshell open um for like stuff that everybody's so hypersensitive and awkward about. And it's hypersensitive all the time right now. So, right. yeah. Yeah, it's just difficult. Like no matter what you say, someone will tell you that there's a better way to say it or a better version of that or a less offensive way to do it. But the reality is like, I don't I don't know how much I care. Yeah. Um, I look at it like, you know, Indian people are, are so negated and removed from conversations with regard to every kind of oppression. People just don't see us as a community that, lives under that um under that gun and i I feel like a lot of times the actual historical context of everything that's happened is very ignored um a lot of communities i think have their their tragedies and their the bad stuff that's happened to them highlighted on a global scale you know nobody talks about the west bengal famine or partition i mean that's six million people that died right Mm -hmm. there in the last uh what 170 ish years yep so it's just something that's very often negated, right? Like we have this. Do you think it's negated in the Western world, I guess, quote unquote, or just you're saying in general? It's negated in the Western world. And within India, people are just like, let's just move on and not really discuss this. Yeah. And watch Bollywood movies and pretend it never happened. And and like, let's, you know, let's, you know, idolize Priyanka Chopra while we, she also tells us to put skin bleach on our, on yep. our people. Like I'm not into yeah. that idea. Yep. Um, I'm not so into you, hero mean, worshiping elements of my society because everybody does it. I am I am very interested in what's happening in India right now from a stand-up perspective. Like people are having to apologize for making fun of actors and shit like that. Because well, like, they're revered as gods there. So my my shit is okay. Like maybe this is I don't know if I'm allowed to be cursing on a podcast, but 
You're yeah, allowed to. Like Lenny Bruce, George Carlin, these guys went to jail in the 60s and 70s for saying the F word on stage. Yeah. And I feel like it's honestly time for stuff like that to start happening in India. Um, maybe not to the scale that you need to be challenging democracy and stuff, but when, when you're talking about fans getting offended that you're making fun of their favorite actor, we've gone way too far. Yeah. If I ever have fans that are like attacking people because they're making fun of me, dude like it's just like you've got to step in the middle and be like guys that person's a comedian right i mean so i don't know for the record i don't really want to compete with um like white i don't want to compete with comics regardless of their nationality but especially i'm pretty careful about not dragging brown comics just because there's already enough opposition yeah i mean without us doing that to each other yeah exactly that leads me to to question though is there any topic that is not qualified for comedy or that's that's off the table for you that's maybe too sensitive yeah you know i've i've um this is a super interesting thing like so like there's you know trigger material that sometimes comics will do this last week was the first time i actually saw somebody like i guess get triggered she was like crying in the lobby of the show and like i I spent like five minutes talking to her i didn't know what the joke was that you know tripped her over the edge or whatever um but it was very clear that something in that show had reminded her of a very like dark and traumatic incident of some kind um and i just like sat there for like 10 minutes i got her like a bottle of water and i just told her like hey don't feel pressured to go back in and watch the show at any time you know if this is but you know i mean it's stand-up yeah there's no i mean I'm, i'm trying to figure this out because there's no good way you can't tell comics to not do the joke you can't tell people to toughen up either i just think it's a gray area where like some material is not for everybody I don't know if there's anything I wouldn't joke about. I just haven't written. I just think that if you're going to play with fire, right? Like if you're going to attempt to do jokes that might trigger people, you have to be 20, like 10, 20 years in, like really have a grasp and some experience. It definitely takes maturity and time. (laughs) Nazar, you want to close with any? You talk about what aspirations are. Is this something that you would love to do all the time? ultimate goals i just feel like this is something in my life that i i have some chops at i mean i've never felt good at any other job that i've done like literally in my entire life but all the other jobs that i've worked i've always felt like yeah i mean like the creative jobs that i've worked i felt like man like i can do this like this is an area i feel confident about myself in i'm not saying i'm the greatest in the world or the best but i i can do it at a pretty decent level and i think that matters yeah um so yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm always hesitant to be like, yeah, I'm going to feed myself with comedy because like comedy is a minimum wage job where you get $8 an hour, one hour a week. Like that's what it can be. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you never want to not jinx yourself. But you, yeah, I think that the goal is to go out there with a pretty strong plan and then put the work behind it and just see what happens. All right, guys. So obviously, we all live in Arkansas. I, I have recently moved here. Uh, correction, I do not live in Arkansas. I know, but you're going to. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, just, you know, don't tell your wife right now. And you guys have been here much longer. Uh, I know we, Shabana, you and I talked about it a little bit uh, during the first segment about mm-hmm. how you felt about moving here and how you feel now. It was scary to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> so like, uh, when we when you first moved here, what what did you think? Um, I I was 
nervous. I was scared. I didn't know what to expect. There were so many changes to deal with. And then I was moving from central London. Um, I mean, where do I begin with comparing the differences? I don't just think you can. Right yeah. And then we were moving to what I call, to me, it's a town. I know it's officially a city, Fayetteville. No, I keep calling it a town. It is a town for me. And yeah. it's, it's a college town. I mean, and... I see cows on the way to the airport. I'm not kidding, Nazar. Like, you go to the airport, and there's, you do. Just, there's a few farms. <laughs> I'm like, okay. To be fair, we have that in Mumbai. It's like the second biggest city in the world. That's true. <laughs> I know. You have that, but then you have, like, I don't know. Yeah, well, it, India's a whole separate. These are, these are different cows. They're different cows. They're Those not, are city cows. These are, like, farm cows. Cattle, you know? Yeah, Only exactly. It's like not the, how you'd want to describe America to your Indian family. Oh, yeah, it's exactly like Indian. The cows are the yeah. same. It's not. No, the cows in Bombay country. will like, give you the middle finger. The yeah. cows here will like smile at you. Yeah. They're not scared. No, they're, yeah. So, um, so, yeah, big change, obviously. It has. And, you know, each year you deal with adjusting more and more. Yeah. Um, and the area is growing. Northwest Arkansas has been growing. Crystal Bridges wasn't here when we first moved here. I mean, it was definitely here when Raj moved here because that's why he moved here. Planet yeah. next week. I, I'll be there. I'm so point. excited I'm about that. I'm going to destroy the inside of that place. <laughs> You heard it here first. That's that's not what you want to tell all the patrons there. Brown guy coming in. I'm going to destroy you all. When you say destroy, what do you mean? Um, I have uh, 80 pounds of CO2 and a 12-pound bag of confetti. And we're, have you ever seen the game show Crystal Maze? No. Yeah, I have, yeah. So it's like it was a British uh, TV show, I'm pretty sure. I think and so, at the yeah. And you would go inside of this like inside this maze and they would basically blast air from the vents underneath you. And you were inside this giant crystal ball, I think, if I remember. And it was money, wasn't it? it was you collect money, as much yeah, as money as you gold, can. Gold, gold tokens or something. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it's going to be like that. We're going to be inside a giant glass cage, essentially, with a whole bunch of confetti flying. I mean, I, seriously, Arkansas keeps getting better and better. This is insane. <laughs> I don't know how. I don't think they're going to be happy, but I got clearance from them, so whatever. It's fine. I'll clap for you. I'll be like the only one in the corner and like, yay. So nine years later. I'm still making adjustments. I think okay. I think uh, transitioning into art, as I discovered it by default, as I explained. As both of you guys. Raj did with his comedy. Yeah. I think it opened up a whole world with the arts community. They've been, I, my work's been really embraced. Um, people have been curious about the culture and I've been welcomed in. And that's really made a huge Were difference. Were you mistaken for everything but Pakistani when you oh yeah, Hispan- yeah. Hispan- I get somebody oh, yeah. um, I'll go into a public place and instead of saying Merry Christmas Feliz Navidad and, oh, yeah. like that, and they're confused when I talk because I yeah. have English accent I just think it's entertaining to be honest it's awesome <laughs> I know I was asked um, at an event where I was definitely the only brown person there how I felt about Trump's policies towards Mexico and I was like huh I was like I wish I knew Spanish <laughs> I would have busted out but I was like no bueno I don't know, dude. But yeah, so I'm sure you've gotten everything. I have. Yeah. And so now just, but now comfortable. You're, are you, does anything about, because I mean, my own, I mean, I was born and raised in America. I, all my friends, most of my friends have been too. And when I have, when I say Arkansas, all of us who are born and raised here are still like, uh, you know, like wear a helmet and I don't just like, maybe now you should carry a gun, like just crazy impressions of this place I'll even always, i had that so i do i'll always miss england i'll always miss the culture that i you know i spent 30 years there that'll always be there it won't yeah. go away i'll always miss living in a far busier place 
but there's so many benefits to where we live right now. There's no way I could have pursued my art. As Raj was saying earlier, the cost of living is so low here. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't have been able to do that in London. It's also so. kind of the big, small pond, big fish yeah, kind of thing. It's like, uh, what's the thing? Like koi fish, they grow the size of the pond they're in. Yeah. So if you have a koi fish like me in like New York, it just chokes you out. Yeah, you, yeah. You get off the ground. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then over here, you show up, you're like, oh, there's like, like, you know, space to create and try new things. And then you find out whether you can actually do them before you're discouraged yeah um, so how were how was your move here when you initially came was it like did you get called out for anything did you feel uncomfortable i don't know i just i came i came to arkansas at a point in my life where i was like super depressed um and so for a while there it was just kind of like you know you just show up and live your day and then call it a day pretty much yeah in a cycle um I'd been in America at that point five years. Okay. So like the adjustment to America, like Penn State was a lot harder than adjusting to Arkansas. Your accent is like not it's anything. Not yeah, but I can switch. <laughs> so like I have an accent back home, which is like my real accent with my parents. When I'm on the phone with them, it comes out. It's not uh, like something I'm, I'm not code switching. Okay. Um, so how old were you? Sorry to cut in. How 17, old were you? 17, okay. 18. Okay. Okay. I landed here. And I definitely had, and I went to a British school growing up in the Middle East. So yeah, it's like all some, blended in. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's all like all over the place. Yeah. Um, and so like making switches was probably the hardest thing. Okay. Right. Example. Uh, can't, cunt. Like that's a very. Second word is probably not a good one. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like when Shabana does it in her accent, it sounds natural. Like it fits the actual sentence. Well, anything she says is going to be like poetry. Right. Right. But what I had was a situation where like. I would get most of the words sounding American and then I would have these certain words that would sound English or British and certain words that had like a almost like a Arab accent to them given that I've lived in the Middle East. Yeah. And so people were just struggling to read it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um and they didn't know if I was telling them that I'd like couldn't go out that night or if I was calling them the C word. Uh... Um, and there were there's a ton of little examples like that okay. that I had to like switch. Um, but they're mostly like words with A's in them. Got it. Because America pronounces those differently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oui, oui. Are you always thinking about certain words then when you do your stand-up comedy because you're obviously trying to reach? Yeah. Not at this point, no. Okay. Like at this point, but when I first started to do it, I would watch bits back and and like friends of mine would like give me like little like, hey, that was that was odd. Uh, like yeah. My American friends would listen to it. Yeah. Would you say that? And like that's when I realized like again, it's you have to bend how you communicate in order to. Um, find a level of success here mm-hmm. which is difficult because either your culture is appreciated from the get-go yep. and embraced and aspired to or it's detested and you're forced to assimilate yeah so that's pretty much what happens i mean I've, I've done this bit to death about like how you know like how is it that the english accent is considered like incredible and the indian accent is considered something that's like inferior. harsh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um a lot of asian countries go through that i think yeah i mean i think it's a lot of countries where that are not caucasian majority like you know you look at, at like um, spanish speakers that speak english yeah they're seen as like exotic yeah and again you, you look at asian people or people from uh, darker complexions and you have that whole like automatic upon them kind of yeah automatic irritation when they don't speak your english yeah um and that's something like I was very aware of that. Do you know who John Agard is? Shabana? He's a, he's a, I think he's a British poet and he might okay. have been knighted. And he had this whole thing about like um, how speaking other people's English and he speaks with, a, I guess, a West Indian accent. Okay. Um, 
how speaking other people's English is, I guess in some senses it robs you of your your culture and your identity, identity. Mm-hmm. before you ever get out the gate. Um, and that's also something I realized putting that first album out. I realized like the second album, I really want to make the point that like I'm Indian and as Indian as they come. Yeah. Just because I sound like you doesn't mean I think like you. Yeah. yeah. And and that's not to say that one's better than the other. It's just to say that I'm I am to, I'm pretty adamant about retaining my identity. I am who I am. Yeah. It's like like now it's cool. It's like cool to be brown. Yeah. This is literally the era that that's happening. We're in style now. Yeah, if, yeah. if Shibano was creating this artwork, let's say 100, 150 years ago, or I was like attempting to do stand-up, we'd have to sign other people's names to it. Yeah. It just, it wouldn't sell. But did you ever feel that way in Arkansas? Did you feel like you had to assimilate in a certain way for this? I mean, like in New York, again, yeah, coasts are different. Politically, I used to do a lot of political comedy. I was going to ask you about very, that. I was like, the political left-handed. environment right now, how are, right. how are you changing your statements or your art well my thing is having met a lot of people who are right of center um it changes your perception they're like the the general trope that i think a lot of like ultra left um news outlets push is that these people are unintelligent or yeah. whatever the reality is just that they're not they... well so nazar really quick um benton county is 70 percent trump voters just to give you an idea interesting yeah and, and by the way this area is very very highly educated. Yeah. Uh, and, and pretty diverse considering right. we're in Arkansas. So sorry, continue. Um, no, I just, I look at it like we are creating an increasingly more divisive narrative and both sides are guilty and nobody's more guilty than the extremists on both ends. Mm-hmm. You have alt-right and then you have people that are sensitive about everything. Yeah. And what it does is it just, it kills the dialogue because yeah. people are so at odds and it's so much about winning points. It's like, you know, these are things that you, in, in any relationship, you cannot have a situation, it doesn't matter if it's your boss or girlfriend, where the dialogue is dead. Yeah. Because everyone's is trying to... And that's what's happened now. Yep. It is it is toxic, and there's a way to correct for that, but you need two sides to be willing to sit in the middle um, and, like, come to terms with what's wrong. Because yeah. it's a systemic issue. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, especially, so, going back to this area, yeah. because it is... A little more right. right are you careful about certain things or do you I'll, I'll do a trump joke but i'll call it out okay so like the, the classic example i give is of like a, a round joke is where like i've known that in order for me to make fun of the audience here i have to start by making fun of myself yeah if you're famous you can show up and trash the city and they'll love it yeah because it's like personalized yeah but if it's not you have to establish grounds that hey, it's a this is a pretty relaxed space. I'm not just going to bash you for an hour. They get that enough from the news, then they mm-hmm. walk in to a comedy show and they get more of it, and it just feels insufferable at a certain point. You become the the straw that's breaking the camel's back. So like usually, um, I'll do a joke about like yeah, I think Trump should build that wall because figuring out how to pay for it means more accounting jobs for Indian people. Yeah. So like there's two hard switches yeah. there that people yeah. will not. So as soon as I say that, the left gets shocked, right? That he should build the wall. They're like, what the fuck? And the right is anticipating some kind of jab. And, but when the punch actually lands, it's on both sides. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a stereotype joke about Indian people, but it also points that his inefficiency uh, as a money manager. Yeah. So it's, you have to write, I think in, in a very tight, Bill Burr calls it the walk-in closet of comedy, and it's closing in on us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you are you are shooting down a very narrow alleyway at this point to try to figure out material that works for everybody. Yeah. Do you keep and I guess that, not just do you Arkansas. Keep, do you keep that balance in every state you go to? Because we're obviously 
I was about to say, I was like, I think it's everywhere. Pretty what, much. Do you, how do you yeah, deal with that? So that joke works anywhere. Okay. Because it works anywhere. But do you the, tweak your content? Do you adjust your yeah, content? Yeah, I'll switch okay. a little bit everywhere. Okay. But what I find is like, I don't want to pander. And I realize that. I want to make adjustments, mm-hmm. but I don't want to be like, hey, Cleveland, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, that's a purple state, but like, yeah. or, or go to New York or LA and do I was doing stereotype jokes in LA and you can visibly see the Indian people in the crowd like not laugh because they they don't find that funny funny anymore. Yeah. And it's not true. And the other part too is like, you know, you make jokes about Indian people being accountants or whatever in cities where we have had a presence for a long period of time. Like if you go to Canada and do stuff like that, I don't think it flies because of the the number of Indians present and the diversity of what they mm-hmm. do. Yeah. Like, Those aren't that doesn't sound like Indian people. Yeah. Me. It's just changed now. It's a right. different time. This is not the 1990s, yeah. And the reality, too, is like this comedy comes from a position of, it comes from a position of of weakness. It is, I'm making fun of the prison we were born into in some ways, right? Like our our inability to um, control our own commerce in foreign countries and being forced into, uh, by virtue of a visa system, being forced into running businesses of a menial order in order to have Mm -hmm. access to a country. Yeah. it's, It's funny, but like, it's funny because you're able to point at that and laugh at it. Um, but I, I'm very aware that that kind of humor sometimes allows people to think that it's okay or a cathartic release of their own guilt. It's an omission. Yeah. It's, it's me going, hey, don't worry about it. We're not that hurt. Yeah. We're hurt. We can, we can, we we can just, handle it. We can make fun of ourselves. We can, you're, we're allowed to, you're allowed yeah. to make fun of us because we do. But now's the time to make that slow pivot. Yeah. Right? Like exactly. I, I've... I've corralled people and put them in a place where they feel comfortable enough with me as an artist. Hopefully they feel like they know me and I try to do that off stage too. Like I'll come off stage. I'll be the last guy out there and I'll speak to everybody there. Even if they tell me they don't like my stuff, it's fine. Yeah. Have that discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but at that point it's trust me. Yeah. So like coming into this Crystal Bridges show, it's me and Rosenbridge. We work, we weave our styles together. So there's music behind me as I'm playing. Yeah. And then there's only songs and then there's an underlying story and a complicated show. No one's ever seen five seconds of this. And I'm like, hey, trust me, I'll throw 15 bucks at it and I'll give you a good Thursday night. Yeah. Um, and so album two, I'm excited. it looks like, and I'm sure Shivana has the same thing in her art. There's an evolution as you become more comfortable. Yeah, because I think that first excursion that you or expedition into your artistic endeavors is very scared. Yeah, you don't know. I played to my audience when I first launched my. I did like famous faces. I knew people would love them, and also I was practicing and I was feeling out the market. I didn't know much about it, like you referred to in your interview earlier. You're learning so much yourself. There's only so much you can take on. Do you think having lived in Arkansas has shaped your art a little bit differently yes. than it would yes. anywhere it's else encouraged me um it's encouraged me to push further and and celebrate so many different things because of, because of living here yeah because people are curious yeah. in london people may not be as curious because they're familiar with it more and there's more diversity should i say there's yeah. more of our culture there yeah. 
there's more heavier patterns of immigration whereas here there isn't so in a way you are a bit of a novelty to them yeah and they're curious they've traveled they've seen things and they'll ask you questions and i'm absolutely okay with that yeah and i want people to be feel comfortable well, it feels like that's what's helping to inspire your art right it I is. Mean, obviously your background and all, all that stuff yeah i mean when i did the eyes i was terrified of doing that that's just so yeah. much into my culture and i was thinking oh my god what am i going to get but yeah the, re the the reactions i got from people was just amazing and i was thinking it's going to be it's very feminine but it was actually a guy that bought that piece of artwork can you yeah. believe that and you're learning i can't now that i've been here for, really? a full, for, for a full four months i can actually believe that just I, meeting I the people the time, I have met. I, I couldn't at the time. I was thinking, this is, this is very feminine. I'm doing a lot of fabrics and eyes and jewelry. And I'm shocked each time. That's people amazing. Yeah. I mean, I was told when I moved here, uh, I was kind of talking about the podcast and trying to find studio space and, and sponsors and all this stuff. I was told by a few people to watch out about my content here. Oh, really? I, I get that too. And I was like, I'm not talking about like again trump or anything i'm just i'm trying to showcase south asians around the u.s that are doing cool things and have my brown table talks um yeah. but yeah i was actually told a couple of times by brown people That's the and thing. i was I like think, what i think we as a culture have become um hair trigger sensitive to what it is that's going to turn audiences off yeah and this is i mean this is the thing right our culture is one that goes don't blaze your own trail there are systems in place to help you succeed. Yeah. Navigate towards. No need. Yeah. Be a doctor, lawyer, engineer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Conform. Be, That's yeah. what you're doing. You're conforming. Well, right, exactly. which was good be, for our parents' time. Our parents' time was that was what they followed because that's what made sense for them immigrating to whatever they were going to or not. Yeah. Um, and we have the benefit of what they have done. Exactly. Not to have to do that. Right. And so that's why I'm a lawyer doing a podcast because right. because I had parents that afforded me this opportunity. That's exactly it. I think we have the uh, advantage of not having to do the things our parents were forced to do as a, as a result of not being able to control their commerce. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, this is, it's, it stems right back to the British occupation of India. Like we were literally at one point buying salt from the British that was manufactured on our own shores mm -hmm. and then being stamped with, with the Her Majesty's seal. Um, and I just, we've moved into an era where we continue to do that at times, I think, where we want to create work that is palatable and mass market. Um, and to do that, we have to be relative. And to be relative, you have to speak to 85% of this market and looks nothing like you. Or you have a monumental uphill task of trying to drag everybody to your side. And within comedy, so I'll play both sides where it's like, hey, I'll do some stuff for you, but I'm also going to do some stuff for me. Um, because I don't think it would be worth it to make it and be the kind of person that white audiences love, but Indian audiences just don't get. Yeah. Mm -hmm. like you have to be universal. Disingenuous. Yeah. Um, and that's not who you are. Yeah. Like I wasn't raised here. Yeah. And I think when I retire, not to get grim, but when I die, I think it'll be there. Yeah. Um, and so ultimately you want to look at a career trajectory and figure through things and not lose your identity in the mm -hmm. process. Yeah. I also like hate to a certain degree. I hate work that is like super, it's like super narrow niche. Um, I don't think that stuff works all the time. Yeah. I haven't seen the length and breadth of it, but I just generally feel like you see these art artists that are incredibly good um, and they get brought in to do very specific events and they make a living doing it and it's a good living. 
but sometimes I wonder if that same level of skill spread a little allows you to pull that audience in and then move a lot more people towards your side of the narrative. Yeah, I think it also depends on the the personality of of that particular artist or person right. to in order to figure out whether that works or not. Because some people. It does. Like with what Siobhan is doing, yeah. it's so important. Yeah. Because like it starts out broad yeah. and it attracts this like huge audience that can see that she's clearly got painting chops, like incredible skill yeah. uh, with an easel and her paints and her palette. Um, and that interest inside of her work leads to an interest in the artist. But if you start out in a position where you're not attempting to move the needle and it's very like my way or the highway, that's, I mean, to each their own. Each their own. I just think... There's a deployment of energy that can be so much more impactful than that. Yeah, People have sure. got to be able to relate to what you're doing somewhere. They right. don't have to fully understand it, but they need to have that something that they connects need, to you. Right, yeah. exactly. They yeah. need a, a commonality or mm-hmm. a point with which they can connect and then be drawn to yeah. the identity pieces of your work. Absolutely. So I, I guess the final kind of wrap up with, with the Arkansas, being brown in Arkansas, any misconceptions that you want to clear up for people that are like, we'll never go there. There's no way. For brown people specifically? Well, I mean, audience in general, but yeah, I mean, for South Asians, because we are talking to two South Asians, so. Yeah. Um, so any misconceptions for, because like, uh, like we said, I was nervous getting, coming here. I was nervous for my kids. Right. You know, I have two little girls at four and one. I'm like, will they be treated differently? I just had no idea. Um, living, being born and raised in the States, still having no idea that Arkansas was actually kind of cool. I I, th- I would say to people, keep an open mind. Um, the area's growing. Have a look at some of the facts. You know, we've got the University of Arkansas on the doorstep, which attracts students and professors coming in from different countries, different states. Look at the corporations. The facts are there. There are people yeah. coming into the area from different states and countries. Um, it's growing all the time. Um, yes, we are still in Arkansas. You can't, or Northwest Arkansas, you can't compare it to london or other major cities but i i i call it home now yeah um and there's so many great things and it will continue to grow and especially being involved in the art scene i love that and it's opened up a whole different world for me and i like that right um i would say that as we push closer to 2020 you're going to start to see some of that resurfacing of the uglier side of society and i've been here five years now right so um But that said, I will also say that the vast majority of people here, regardless of their politics or their decisions in that arena, are very, very good-hearted people. Um, I've been treated here kinder than any other place in the U.S. I've had fewer incidents um, that are of a a racist nature happen here. I think Pennsylvania and then Dallas was horrible, but like... I, 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 was it I'm really the city of Dallas? He, you know, he's in Dallas. We were both in Dallas just now. That's surprising because, like, for me, I haven't had any, and I, I used to live in the Florida Panhandle. That is what I call the pinnacle of uh, racist issues. That isn't I've Dallas supposed to be, have more South Asian influence than we do here? Isn't that? Is isn't Dallas? Oh yeah, it's like the, it's like okay. the third yeah. largest. Uh, so who was your audience then? Was it a majority? Well, I never did stand up in Dallas, and that's why. I, Oh. Yeah, so like when I moved there, I'll say this too, Dallas, you know, a lot of people will point to it being 50% black on paper, minority white, but if you look at where people live in Dallas, those neighborhoods are super segregated. South Dallas is all black, uptown is all white. You can walk into a bar, I would walk into a bar and people would turn around, like stop their conversation and look at me and, and my thing is just like, hey, I mean, this is stuff you anticipate 
growing up. It's stuff that I've had happen to me, especially starting in 2001 and onward. Like 9-11 changed how brown men were viewed mm-hmm. altogether. Before that, Iranian people were pretty cool. Like the U.S. viewed them aspirationally than mm-hmm. at times. And that's been flipped. And if you're one of the 50 shades of brown, that's is going to be something that, especially on uh, the male side, is a true obstacle. Yeah. But I'll say Arkansas, this little bubble of Arkansas is, is incredible. People are very, very kind. It's growing at an incredible pace. And don't let the potential for bad things, I guess, deter you because that could happen literally anywhere. anywhere. Mm-hmm. It's happened yeah. less yeah. here to me than it has anywhere in America. And I would not have agreed with you before yeah. moving here because you just, but I, yeah, I feel a knock on wood, but. I actually feel very safe and comfortable, and despite the political insanity that is happening amongst us, um, I actually, Nazar, I know you won't like this, but I actually feel safer here than Dallas. Wow. (laughs) Oh, I I don't know why you would think I wouldn't like that. I can totally believe that. There's much more of a community there than here where it's very fragmented. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, Also, my neighbor's... Have dropped off homemade pie, so so they're bribing. I'm you, good basically. to go. Was it bacon? What did you say? It was a test. It was. It was. A, yes. So I got, I got homegrown tomatoes and, and pie and all a bacon. Did you say no? Okay. Yeah. Oh, bacon. That's what I've been finding. I did, I did get asked what church I go to, and I was like, well, what's a whole different. Are you kidding? <laughs> what church do you go to? I was like, the Church of the Mundir. All right. Thank you again to Raj and Shabana for taking time to talk with us. Actually, to tell you the truth, I was expecting somewhat of a funny light talk. It was a lot more intellectual, and I actually love that. It was a great way to kind of start our relaunch of the show. Yeah, and I'm I'm so happy we we did it this way because uh, I want you know the audience to to kind of understand where I'm at now and this part of the country and how South Asians are everywhere doing everything. You know, yeah, and it, and it's possible. So you can really tell. I'm not even sure it was intentional on our part, but Bentonville, Arkansas, in general, is very much a character in each of their stories, and to hear that in mostly a positive light, I think is is quite uh, enlightening to me as someone that has very little knowledge of what goes on in Arkansas. Uh, but as an American, it's like it's good to see because I've lived in other places in the Bible Belt. It's not as positive as Arkansas. So way to go, Arkansas! You're doing something yeah. right. Yeah, exactly. And and I live here, so please help me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you can check out uh, both of our guests. Uh, you can go to their website. So Shabana is Shabana Koser Art, S-H-A-B-A-N-A-K-A-U-S-E-R-A-R-T dot com. And then Raj is RajDoesComedy.com. So R-A-J does comedy. Yep. And their Instagram accounts are actually just the same. So you got Shabana Kasser Arch, so S H A B A N A K A U S E R A R T, and Raj does comedy as well. So check them out. We'll also link to them in the show notes. Um, give them some support. They they might actually be in a town near you, either showing off their art or, for Raj's case, doing comedy. So he actually, yeah. like you said, he might be in Dallas uh, pretty soon. Uh, so check them out. It's that's yeah, pretty definitely. cool. And, and definitely, um, I I like supporting artists. I've done art throughout my life. It's not something anybody can make a, a living in instantly. So if you check out their sites, if there's something you like for your house, in Raj's case, if there's comedy that you enjoy on his YouTube or something, 
throw a couple bucks their way, you know, pick up an album, gift it to somebody that you think would appreciate it. It's, it's the way it's this handshake that we keep uh, paying forward. So I think, um, I think it's great to support, especially for our community. It's great to support. And support us too. Follow us. <laughs> at yeah. Ami Tuckered Out, guys. That was my roundabout as, way as of always. saying, uh, give us a handshake. Yeah, virtually. give us a handshake too. So, you know, as usual, at Ami Tuckered Out, Facebook and Insta. Um, and Nazar uh, is at Nazar Babul. At Nazar Babul. Check us out. We're back, guys. And there's a lot uh, more coming. We have some fun and interesting guests coming up. Some big time guests. I'm very excited. Thanks guys for listening. We'll be back in a few weeks. This is Ami Tuckered Out. Bye.